0: That doesn't sound like a good accent. (laughs) No, (laughs) no. alright Yeah. so we're still um, continuing our study on uh, Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 6 where it says trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths uh, we uh, address the three questions is God worthy of my trust does God truly know best in my circumstance better, better than even me and does God truly care so we cover those three questions and of course the answer to all three questions is what yes (laughs) yes he is worthy of our trust Uh, his wisdom is infinite as we discovered and the cross of Calvary uh, is the ultimate proof that God cares what goes on in our lives Um, uh, if God's you know if God took care of my greatest need my salvation I mean what does that say about my other needs That means he's going to be there. He's going to be able. He's going to take care of them. So, um, so when things happen, okay, when things happen, um, there is a purpose in uh, what Proverbs uh, chapter uh, three says here: Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and all thy ways. Uh, Lean not unto thine own understanding. There is a purpose. There is a reason. Uh, that we are to trust in the Lord and that purpose and that reason is seen right here in the very next verse where it says in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths okay that is the purpose the purpose is that we as believers in Jesus Christ learn to walk with him by faith now I said learn do you think it's a learning process that we go through well, sure it is. Sure it is. I mean, uh, even with a uh, cursory reading of some of the folks in the Bible, they had to learn the same thing. Abram had to learn. Uh, David had to learn. So we do. We, ha- we learn uh, to walk with the Lord along this path of life uh, by faith. And so the intention or the expectation of a a passage like Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 6, and it's not the only one, there's a lot of verses in there that teach this very same thing, is that your life and my life should be a life that is characterized by our faith in God. It should be a life that is characterized by our faith in God. Uh, we ha- uh, we attended a funeral of my uh, dearest friend yesterday, uh, Sam Shockley. Uh, and to hear the testimonies of all the people that this man touched uh, one of the one of the main things was that that uh, it was it, it was Sam's life of faith his love for God that uh, that characterized this man's life and wouldn't it be great when it, there comes a time when you know folks are speaking of us that they would say you know um, Matt's life was a life that uh, was a life that was characterized by his faith and love for God I mean I hope that's your aspiration I hope that's your desire yeah there you go we're working on it exactly a work in progress that's what, that's exactly what I mean by by learning to live a life that your whole heart is trusting in God and um, let me say this because that's what I'm getting ready to talk about here um when you trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, please understand that God will never lead you contrary to his word pay attention to that God will never lead you contrary to his word I say this because there are so many well intentioned people who have been uh, misled in believing that they are in God's will, when in fact they are not in God's will. Alright? In fact, they are not in God's will. Um, Therefore, it's very, very important that we exercise discernment, that we be very, very careful about uh, being directed by our circumstances. Uh, As I mentioned earlier, our circumstances will what? Do you remember what I said last week about our circumstances? They'll lie to you. Yeah, your, your circumstances in life will lie to you. Your circumstances in life can prove very deceiving. They will make something seem right when in fact it is contrary to what God's word says contrary to God's will our circumstances can be very very deceiving and many of God's people have been have often misinterpreted what they believe was uh, God's providence you know it's a God thing right I, I hear that a lot uh, they mistake God's providence or God's leading according to their circumstances uh, when uh, actually, Uh, Their circumstances is not according to what God's word would have them to do. Um, In fact, uh, you'll find most people who are more willing to follow after their circumstance, even after they learn what God's word says because the circumstance seems right it just seems like the the right thing to do and let me tell you something and I'm speaking from experience and I'm speaking because you see this even in God's Word Um, you know you always hear about well God opened this door or God opened that door well let me tell you some open doors presented to us may not have been doors that God necessarily opened There's another being out there that opens doors too. So you've got to be very, very careful. Uh, Ecclesiastes 8.14 says, There is a vanity which is done upon the earth. That there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. And again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. So the, the funny thing about circumstances is that sometimes they turn out good for bad men. And bad for good men, right? I mean, so you got to be careful about your circumstances. You got to be careful about trusting in your circumstances alone, um, and don't allow them to um, interpret for you what God's will may be for you. What God's will may be for you. Uh, our circumstances should be judged according to what. God's word, right? God's word, that's what it should be should be judged, it should be judged according to God's word, you, you look to God's word, you find in God's word direction and 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 things like that and those circumstances uh, that are contrary to God's clear, clear counsel, uh, what do you do in regards to those circumstances? you don't follow them you don't go along with them. You 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 do the hard thing, and because I'm telling you, sometimes your circumstances will make it appear to be the easy way to go. And um, going God's way is not always easy. That's why it's so tempting for us to uh, go along the course of our of our uh, circumstances, even when it's contrary uh, to God's word. Now, when you go contrary to God's word, can you expect God's blessing? Probably not. No, probably not. Second to Peter 2, 6 through 8 says, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overflow, making them an ensample unto those that after that should live that after should live ungodly. I'm sorry, I'm trying to And delivered just Lot and vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man Lot was called a righteous man, dwelling among them, and seeing and hearing, right? That's our circumstances, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. I mean, consider Lot. When when Abraham gave him the choice to separate from from his flocks from Abraham's flocks, Abraham looked out upon the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah, And I think in Genesis, it describes the plains of Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of God. So it was a very lush, fertile, you know, plain. And here is Lot looking at this lush and fertile plain. And he's thinking, hey, that's a good choice. Was it? Was it a good choice? No, it turned out to be a pretty bad choice, didn't didn't it? Turned out to be a pretty bad choice. So sometimes what appears to be the right choice, the most adv- advantageous choice, is not always such. And I think you guys understand that. I think you guys understand that. I've been part of the following circumstances that at first appear to be God's leading, only to discover later on that, no, no, God wasn't in it in the first place. It, that wasn't It wasn't God's leading. Uh, we were, uh, in fact... Um, not to say too much. Uh, in fact, the folks that we followed, come to find out later on, the folks that we followed, you know, as far as the circumstances, they were out of God's will. They were completely out of God's will. And we went ahead and we followed them, and we ended up, uh, you know, wandering in the wilderness for quite some time because of that. So, you know, it happens to the best of us. I need to warn you. It's got ants. It's got ants. Oh. (laughs) So if you want ants in your pants, just go ahead and. Go back to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. If I were to sit in, I could never get out of it. (laughs) We're sorry. We're late. No, 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 big deal. Don't worry about it. So yeah, it's easy. It's easy to, to, to fall into circumstances. Uh, but yet that's the way circumstances can be at times. Um, also, circumstances uh, has, has a way to pressure you into making a wrong choice or a wrong decision. I don't know if any of you have ever been in a circumstance where you've been pressured, you feel the stress of that, of that situation, and uh, you end up... Um, making a wrong choice because of the pressure instead of stepping back and seeking God's face in it and going to God's word and looking looking for the right way to go looking for the answers you end up getting caught up in that powerful current of circumstances and you get swept away you get swept away I, it, can happen. it can happen. It's happened to myself. It's happened to a lot of people I know. And so these, these currents of, of circumstances can be very, very powerful influences in life. One man, I can't remember who it was. I read this one time. And so I wrote it down. Whenever I read something, a good quote, I have a little notebook that I write all these good quotes down because you know they're good to refer to. But a a man once said, he said, "Don't attempt to interpret God's ways by circumstances in His dealing with men, but pray to learn from God His ways in the midst of those circumstances." That's that's pretty good advice. That's pretty good advice. Don't attempt to interpret God's ways by circumstances in His dealings with. With men, But pray to learn from God his ways in the midst of those circumstances. Now there's two verses in Proverbs that kind of address this. Uh, you guys know these two verses. As soon as I start uh, quoting them, you're, you're going to know them. Pro, uh, Proverbs 14.12 There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Right? Proverbs 16.25 echoes the same thing. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Now let me ask you a question. If the Bible mentions something more than once, what does that tell you? That's right. (laughs) That's exactly right. Because we're kind of dim-witted and we need to be told more than once. We need to be told more than once. Notice the two words, way and ways. Way and ways. Isn't it funny how the wrong way turns into many wrong ways? Yeah. It splits off. Yeah it does. It's yeah, it does. It's, it does. It has a, it has a way to multiply the problems instead of simplifying things. The way of simplifying things. A way that seems right all of a sudden becomes very convoluted. Very messed up. And you find yourself pulled this way and that way because of that one decision. Uh, so when a person chooses to follow their circumstances rather than seeking after God's wisdom, they can find themselves become embroiled and entangled in all sorts of situations and predicaments. And what at first seemed to be the easy way, what happens? It becomes a hard way. It becomes a hard way. You know, Jesus said there's a straight and narrow way, and Jesus said there is a Broadway, right? That Broadway is an easy way to go. But boy, is it packed full of problems. Packed full of problems. Uh, you know, we kind of see this in our own nation uh, right now. Um, our nation has chosen to reject God's word, it has chosen to reject its Christian uh, heritage, it's chosen to go its own way. And uh, look at the convoluted mess our nation is in today the nation of Israel was the same way the nation of Israel was the same way uh, and guess what it happens to people too it happens It happens to people too I've seen this in the lives of brothers and sisters in Christ uh, they, they just they get themselves going a, a certain way even even when they're counseled not to go that way and what happens is they come back later and they've got quite a mess on their hands quite a mess on their hands I've seen uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, they get all disgruntled or disillusioned and they end up leaving the church. Now, is that a wise thing to do? No. No, because Hebrews ten twenty three through twenty five says, "Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise." And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. So a lot of folks, instead of you know doing the brave thing and facing these issues biblically, what they end up doing is they end up leaving the church and I I know good. I know some good people who have left the church. I mean, totally left the church, and their lives have not been blessed over a very small thing. Over, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes very small, insignificant things. Things that just simply some open, honest communication could probably rectify it could very well be there might be a root issue there there could be a root issue there instead of dealing with a root issue we all we try to deal with all of the fruit all of the you know, all the symptoms yeah all the symptoms now, I've experienced this myself. Um, you know we've done, you know we end up following our circumstances rather than following God's wisdom and we, we never find any true joy. we never find any kind of confidence or security or peace in those, in those times that when we do that, uh, we allow our and this is what your circumstances will do. They will lead you by the nose, right? They put a, they put a brass ring in a bull's nose. Why did they do that? Yeah, to lead that bull around. Well, that's what your circumstances will do. It'll put a brass ring in your nose and just lead you around wherever they want to take you. Now, who should be doing the leading? The Lord, right? So you're really surrendering up God's leading you to someone else to do it. And that's just not a very good thing to do. I recall one time hiking through a piece of property years ago when I was... Uh, able to do such things. And I, I, I loved to do that when I was younger, just hike all over the place. Well, I was with a group of guys and we were hiking, and um, we came across this marshy piece of ground. And um, where we wanted to get it to was just right across this marshy piece of ground. And if we were to walk around this marsh, it would have taken us quite a while. So we had the brilliant idea of just walking right straight across this marsh to get to where we wanted to go. Well, um, boy, that was the wrong decision. Because after the loss of two pairs of shoes and a pair of socks, we finally worked our way back out of that marsh and we had to go the right way. When you follow your circumstances, that's exactly what happens, man. You put yourself in a marshy ground. You put yourself. No, no, it wasn't that kind of a marshy ground. Yeah, you just don't want to do that. You'll end up getting deeper and, and more stuck, and boy, we came out of there a muddy, sopping wet mess. And that's what happens sometimes. Something else about circumstances, and I know I'm I'm spending a lot of time on circumstances, chances are I probably won't get to this part we all can relate to this, I think. Sometimes, let me say something else about our circumstances. Sometimes we can manipulate our circumstances. Can't we? Sometimes we can manipulate those circumstances in an an attempt to gain what we want or even justify our decisions, our course uh, choice. We can manipulate those circumstances. So instead of seeking God's will, what we do is we massage our circumstances to fit our little agenda, what we're shooting for, what we're shooting for. Um, I have observed this too. I've seen individuals who will take and they will connive and they'll manipulate and they'll massage their circumstances in order to gain some sort of selfish goal. Some sort of selfish goal. Uh, Proverbs 18, 17 says, He that is first in his own cause seemeth just, but his neighbor cometh and searcheth him. I've had, uh, been in counseling situations where uh, you'll get an individual in that counseling uh, situation uh, that will uh, present their side of the story in such a way that what they're trying to do is they're trying to gain you, the counselor, the pastor, or whoever it is, they're trying to gain them as an ally in their cause and their cause may not necessarily be the right cause you understand what I'm saying? So what they're trying to do is they're trying to manipulate and and massage that situation to get the counselor on their side so that they'll come out ahead in whatever situation that they're being counseled with. Whether it's marriage or a business situation or whatever, uh, you know, whatever's going on. That little item that Matthew uh, talked about, oftentimes is because two people in the church can't seem to uh, come together in a a matter, come into agreement with a matter. So you always have one individual trying to get the upper hand and they'll do this and I'm going to say it, they'll flat out lie or they'll exaggerate the situation sometimes we try to massage our circumstances, sometimes we do and sometimes if that person doesn't get their way, what do they do? they get angry and leave and they'll go somewhere else and they'll try to play that same game with somebody else They'll try to play that same game with somebody else. So you can kind of massage your circumstances. It's that seemeth right that gets us in trouble. It's that seemeth right that gets us in trouble. It may seem right to us, but it may not be right in God's eyes. right? Uh, When something seemeth right, in other words, on the surface it looks like it's the right thing to do. On the surface, it appears to be the right way to go. On the surface, it seems to be the best way or the easy way to go. What is that old um, saying? You can't judge a book by its cover. You know, when I go to look for a book to read, yeah, that's the whole marketing ploy. They put a real neat cover on it, right? To spark your interest. Well, I opened the book up to several Places in the book just to try to catch the, the, the theme or whatever and if, there's, if I like what I'm reading as I go through the book then I'll purchase the book but sometimes the cover doesn't match what's in that book Sometimes the cover don't match it. There's chairs in the other room if you want to bring them in. Okay, I'm just afraid I'm not sure if it's been a rough morning. I hurt It's just I'm just sitting in the corner. Well, there is one chair here and there's one chair here. Sorry, we're late. Well, that's a uh, black star on your Diane put a black star. Okay. All right. You know what, Candace? At least we didn't let to sit on the couch carpet. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. There's two chairs right here. (laughs) (laughs) I mean think about Abraham and Sarah in the matter of Hagar right? Uh, Genesis 16.1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children. She had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath, restrain, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray they go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai and Sarai Abram's wife took Hagar her maid the Egyptian after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave to her to her husband Abram to be his wife so for 10 years they dwelt in the land for 10 years Sarai remains um, um, infertile uh, not bearing a child and so uh, did Sarah go to the Lord to ask the Lord what she should do she brought his name into it Right? A lot of people bring God's name into it, but God has nothing to do with it. Did Abraham go to the Lord and say, God, you know, is this the way to go? No, he didn't. For whatever reason, he didn't do it. What were they doing? You remember what I said about the man, what he said about the circumstances? They attempted to interpret God's will according to their circumstances. And we do it all the time. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. I mean, I can personally remember getting caught up in something that, on the surface, appeared to be the right thing to do. By all appearances, it seemed like uh, what we were doing was 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 the right thing. Was the right thing. But yet, it wasn't until you know much later we realized, oh my goodness, we made a mistake. We made a mistake. Not. am I the only one that's ever done that? No, <laughs> not at all. I wouldn't think so. No, that's part of the human equation, isn't it? I even had indications to wait before making my decision. I even, I knew what God's word had to say on the matter. I even had opportunity to go and talk to the pastor about this. I even received counsel from some very wise men, but you know what happened? I, what's the right word? I buckled under the pressure. And I did something that I was not at peace in my heart about. I went ahead and did it. I went ahead and did it. Now, God's good. He's gracious. He knows we're a bunch of dummies. He'll take us in those circumstances and He will still work with us. He will. He doesn't let you go. He'll, he'll work with you in those situations. And believe me, he worked with us. And I learned a few things. I learned a few things. And, uh, and that's what will happen. But boy, that time in the wilderness is rough. That time in the wilderness is a rough way to go. It really is a rough way to go. So being armed with the knowledge that uh, God's wisdom is infinite, that God is always working toward His glory, that His love for each and every one of us is unquestionable. Don't you even dare question God's love for you. Knowing all of that, uh, what does that tell us as far as our circumstances are concerned? Even when we goof up, God's still there. He's going to help you out of that wilderness. But wouldn't it be better to Stop, go to God's word and find out his mind on the matter. And in spite of how hard it might be or how easy the circumstances might appear to be, believe God's word and obey it. What is that song? Trust and obey? For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Uh, But I'm so thick-headed. I am so thick-headed. So, um, I'm looking around. There it is. So, uh, I'm going to try to get through as much as this as possible. So, um, what, what do we do? What do we do? Why does God allow Circumstances to happen wouldn't it be a lot easier if God didn't allow these things to happen in our life I mean it, wouldn't it be a breeze why would we trust him yeah exactly why would we trust him how would we grow how would our faith grow so why does God bring about circumstances so turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8 so I'm going to cover a few things here Deuteronomy chapter 28 let's go to the Bible and see some examples and see what we can learn from some of these examples Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 through 3. Just two verses. Two verses that pack a lot. Okay, raise your hand if you're there. (laughs) Alright, so um, somebody be kind enough to read verses 2 through 3, please. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee in these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know, that he might make thee know that man doth not live by bread only but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of the Lord. The okay. I think most of us are familiar with the story of the nation of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness. And um, what was the reason why they were wandering through the wilderness in the first place? They were out of God's will. Right? They were supposed to go into the promised land, take it over. The ten spies came back and said, oh no, we can't do it. So... They didn't. They tried to try to go into the Promised Land. Even even after God said, "Okay, guys, you're you're going to go through the wilderness for 40 years." What happened? They got defeated. So it was their own fault that they were in that situation. It was their own fault that they were in that situation. Did God leave them while they were in the wilderness? No, He did not. He did not leave them while they were in the... God dealt with his people while they were in the the wilderness. He dealt dealt with them. And and the children of Israel learned some very, very valuable lessons that was to their ultimate good and also brought God glory. So so it was a rough time for them. And so you could say that God uh, orchestrated the circumstances that the children of Israel experienced in order to refine them. To prove them, uh, to um, you know, to uh, mature them as a people. Now, of course, a generation perished, but that following generation, right, was that refined process. That was the, that was the fruit of all of that. So, in spite of all their murmuring, in spite of all their rebellion, in spite of all of this, God still God still uh, dealt with them, and um, so. Um, they questioned you know, God they questioned Moses' leadership they questioned God's way of dealing with them uh, they, were a, they were a rough lot to deal with but God never did forsake them he kept them and helped them even though a whole generation um, perished because of their obstinacy and rebellion but you know when you think about those uh, folks in the wilderness sadly sadly uh, this very same attitude is reflected in the hearts of many of God's people today this very same hard attitude is reflected by many of God's people today. They continue on in their self-willed ways. Uh, they continue to murmur and complain, they continue to find fault with the leadership, They continue to find fault with God. Uh, they continue to just um, you know just be uh, problem children. And they wonder why God never blesses them and they wonder why they've got all these issues going on in their life and they wonder why they can never grow spiritually well you wonder why don't you you know we we all can get in that we all can get in that same boat so what is is one of the purposes one of the reasons why um, these things happen to us what is one of the reasons why these things happen to us these situations arise to us. Well one of the reasons is this Uh, God exposes our heart not to God but to us to you and me God uses those circumstances to, to expose us to our own hearts Expose us to our own hearts. Notice what he says here in Deuteronomy to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or not. To know what was in thine heart. Do you think God did not know what was in their heart? He knew. He knew. You know who didn't know what was in their heart? The people of Israel the people of Israel you know Diane and I, my wife and I on the way to church we were talking about this very same thing we were talking about this very same thing sometimes it's so easy for us to see the heart of others by their words and their actions and their attitudes but we are so blind to our own hearts and we're doing the very same thing that those people that are complaining and griping and murmuring whatever. we're blind to our own hearts We're blind to our own hearts. We're blind to our own unbelief. We're blind to our own uh, immaturity. We're blind to our own wickedness because we, we think we're all that in a bag of chips. Now come on, don't we sometimes? Don't we sometimes think we got it all together? When in reality we really don't have it all together? And there is always something residing in your heart that is hindering your growth, your walk with God and sometimes it takes a circumstance to expose it sometimes it takes a situation in your life to expose it to know what is in your heart to recognize what's what's going on i mean i can testify to this in my own life you know there are situations that have come about in my own life that have proved to be grievous to me personally uh, a cause of great consternation, a time of unrest and, 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 and um, you know, no peace in my heart. And in time, what I discovered, as God would turn up the heat of the circumstance, then the dross that was in my heart would begin to bubble to the surface. And then I would recognize, ah, it's a pride issue on my part. It's a pride issue on my part. There's a, there's a certain matter of conceits that's going on in my heart that God is dealing with, with me. Well, I tell you what, do you like having your real self exposed to you? No. That can be tough. That can be so tough. Psalms, uh, Isaiah 26.3 says Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in, the, in thee. And the reason why I had no peace in my heart in those times is because of that issue in my heart that I was not aware of or I may have been aware of but I didn't want to deal with. Have you ever been there? You know there's something there but man I don't want to deal with that. I don't, want to, I don't even want to handle that. Why are you tapping him on the arm? Now you just... Okay, okay. Now you just stop that. We just talked about it. Hey, you and Diane get to talk. Okay. (laughs) You're right. She's elbowed me a few times in church too. Yeah, but when I finally realized, you know... Ah, yeah, I, that, that's a pride issue, Lord. I, I see it now. I confess it. I repent. Help me, help me to fix it. You know what happens then? A peace takes the place of that turmoil. A peace takes the place of that turmoil because God has has uh, exposed my heart. So it, it may not be pride. It may be unbelief. It may be anxiety. It may be worry. Maybe you're just a worry wart. Well, that's a sign that you're not trusting in God. Right? Be careful for nothing, is what Paul says. But in everything, take it to the Lord in prayer. Let me tell you something, folks. And I know you've heard me say this before. Humility is key in our relationship with God. Humility is key in our relationship with God. James 4.6 says that he giveth more grace. Wherefore, he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. He resisteth the proud. Now raise your hand if you're not a proud person. Yeah, good, good answer. In some things, in some ways, we are prideful people. And let me tell you something about pride. We also talked about this too. Pride is very subtle. It's very subtle. You may not always recognize it as pride. But it's, like it's a shapeshifter. Yeah, it's a shapeshifter. It's very, very, very subtle. You know, I've referred to Job in this study on trusting in God. And according to God's word, Job was a perfect and upright man who eschewed evil. Okay, so in God's eyes, Job was a good guy. But you know what? Job had an issue. And that issue was part of him. He was a self-righteous man he was, he was a self-righteous man listen, Job 23, 1 through 7, then Job answered and said even today is my complaint bitter my stroke is heavier than my groaning oh that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat, I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with arguments, I would know the words which he would answer me and understand what he would say unto me will he plead against me with his great power, no but he would put strength in me, there the right righteous might dispute with him so should I be delivered forever from my judge he was a little self-righteous he held on to his integrity good for him but he was a little self-righteous because later on when the Lord did give Job opportunity to state his case did Job state his case well he kind of did (laughs) but not like not like he thought he was going to. He says in Job 42, 2, I know that thou canst do everything speaking to the Lord, and that no thought can be withdrawn from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not sometimes we do that things too wonderful for me which I knew not here I beseech thee and I will speak he says I will demand of thee and declare thou unto me I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear but now mine eye seeth thee verse 6 is the key verse wherefore I abhor myself and repent of dust and ashes humility humility you want God's blessing in your life humility humility is key Humility is key. As I said said before, sometimes the harshest truths to face in life is the truth about yourself. The truth about yourself. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to face it. We try to excuse it, justify it, push it to the back burner. Is that a wise thing to do? It's the easy thing to do. It might seem to be the right thing to do but it's not the wisest thing to do. We need to deal with these things that God reveals to us, that God exposes our heart to as we go through these circumstances and these situations in life. You know, he's not doing that to be a big meanie. He's doing that because he's your father and he loves you. And this is an area that he wants you to correct, fix, deal with. His intention is never to hurt his children. But you know, sometimes, sometimes our father, being a good father, is, uh, for lack of a better term, pressed by our disobedience to do something. So you might bring a circumstance around into your life to expose your heart, to reveal your heart. So God in his infinite wisdom for the eternal good of his people may allow circumstances and situations to arise in your heart to expose you to yourself. Not to make you feel like you're a dirt. Right? Not to make you feel like you're worthless. No, you are worth something. That's why he exposed it to you because he wants you to grow up he wants you to mature Uh, there it is I keep looking around for the clock Uh, the second thing let's go to the second thing any questions or comments on the first thing alright I'll keep going then Uh, Deuteronomy 8.3 and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, and fed thee with manna, which thou knewest not, neither did thy fathers know. So the 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 another thing that the, that the Lord will will, will do, in uh, as far as our circumstances are concerned, sometimes, if I may spell this, I apologize. He will reduce you to weakness. He will reduce you to weakness. You know, in in our country, uh, we admire the self-sufficient. We admire that independent go-getter. We admire the individual who who reaches for the brass ring. Uh, One of my favorite uh, genre, is that the right word, of books that I like to read? is I like to read Westerns, Louis Lamores, that kind of stuff. And the reason why I like to read Westerns is because, you know, you always got your cowboy hero in there who beats all odds and comes out on the top. You know, that, that appeals to me. You know, that kind of individual appeals to me. Uh, but uh, sometimes what happens is that uh, we get to thinking that uh, we can handle it all. And when we start thinking that we can handle it, who are we leaving out in the equation? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, Proverbs 18:11 says, "A rich man's wealth is his strong city, and as a high wall in his own conceit, pride." Yeah, we become, we become prideful. We become prideful of our cowboy attitude. You know, uh, the world looks to wealth, education, physical prowess. Uh, they all look at these uh, these uh, means of personal strength as something to, you know, to um, praise and, and laud and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, who who really is receiving the glory and all of that? The man, you and I, whoever it is. And what does God say about his glory? He'll share it with nobody. 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 So that's a pretty good indication that uh, if you're involved in something that uh, you're all about it, you know, you're all about the glory, you're getting all the glory, then be careful. Watch out. Careful. Proverbs 24.5 says, A wise man is strong. Yea, a man of knowledge increases strength. Proverbs 20.29 20, says, The glory of young men is our strength. And the beauty of old men is a gray head. You know, there's a lot of things that we glory in. You know, a lot of things we glory in. I remember one time arm wrestling my father. And he beat me. And he did it several times. Well, one day I got to the age and the strength where... I started to beat him. I started to take his arm down. And uh, I got a twinge in the heart. And I went ahead and let him win. But I had him beat. But you kind of get, you know, you kind of get all puffed up about things like that. It's easy. It easily happens. Is that why you let me win? Yes, dear, it is. (laughs) Sometimes we get all puffed up about our knowledge. You know, you know we, we think we're smart. We think we're clever. It's true of the lost. It's also true of Christians. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. We've become prideful of our talents, our abilities. You know, a lot of churches plan according to the world's business models to grow its congregation. The real issue behind all of that is nickels and noses. There are churches out there that that's their primary focus is nickels and noses over preaching of God's word and fulfilling God's will. Well, soul willing is good. But it's the nickels and noses that that's the problem. As long as they got the money coming in, that's all that's, that's all it's about. Sometimes churches can be prideful about their buildings. Sometimes they can be prideful about their wealth sometimes they can be prideful about some of their members you know a leading member in the business community a politician maybe there are a lot of reasons to be prideful you know there's a lot of um, uh, here's one of my soap boxes I apologize for all these soap boxes of mine um, vast fortunes are made from Christian authors writing self-help books self-affirmation books Um, I'm not saying that some of the stuff isn't good but a lot of it's just pop psychology and positive thinking and all that kind of stuff really has very little to do with God's word all they're after is the money the money all this self-affirmation you know you can do it Uh, Live your best life now. When the real trials happen, what happens to all of that self-affirmation? It gets blown away like dust. It gets blown away like dust. Because they're trusting on their own resources. And that's what a lot of those books do. They they get you to focus. They'll, yeah, they'll use God's name, don't get me wrong. But they'll get you to focus on you. And that's not where our strength lies. Jacob. Uh, he was a pretty clever guy. You know, he trusted in his own cleverness, his own skill, his own scheming, his own manipulations a lot of Christians today live their lives the same way they lead the kind of lives that uh, permits them to have their cake and eat it too a lot of scheming a lot of manipulating Uh, a lot of Christianity on the surface exalts the cross but at the same time they refuse to bear the cross think about that for a minute they'll exalt the cross but they won't bear the cross they won't bear the cross and Jacob, you know, he, he was one of these guys, um, you know, he, he was very clever, very uh, self-assured, but then he started going back to uh, home, going back home, and uh, what was he concerned about? There was somebody he left behind, and then he started worrying about again, his brother Esau. Because if you remember when Jacob left, Esau was wanting to do what? Yeah, he's wanting to kill his brother. So now here comes Jacob. He's coming back to the promised land. He's coming back home. And, um, oops. Oh, yeah. I still got to deal with Esau. I still got to deal with Esau. Uh, So the night that he was to enter into the promised land, go back home, uh, he met with somebody who changed his life forever. Didn't he? Yep. Yeah, You guys know the story. I don't have the time to read to the passage. I wish I did. But he was sitting there and he was wrestling with somebody. Come to find out who was it? The Lord. The Lord. And what did the Lord do to Jacob? Touched his hip. Touched his hip. Popped out of joint. Yeah, popped out a joint. That's exactly what happened. At first, Jacob was wrestling with the Lord. But after the Lord popped that hip joint out he became a not only that he started leaning on God and he started hanging on to God he wasn't wrestling God he was embracing God and he's saying I'm weak bless me bless me sometimes God's got to pop our hip joint to make us realize we need him Amen. we forget that we, we do we forget that We got a good paying job. Our boss likes us. We got money coming in. We got a car that starts every morning and every night. We forget. We forget. We forget that we need God. So Jacob went from wrestling with God to holding on to God for all he was worth. His hip was popped out of joint. He needed the Lord. He needed the Lord. It really is best not to get to that place where he's got to pop your hip joint out. They wrestled all night. Yeah, they wrestled all night. And boy, that's a picture. That's a picture of believers who wrestle not only all night, but all week, all month, years maybe, years. Always wrestling with God about something always wrestling with God about something James 4.10 says humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up so here Jacob is in the beginning wrestling with God all of a sudden God touches his hip and so what is God doing he's lifting Jacob up that's the true place of strength in your life is when the Lord is lifting you up in those circumstances When the Lord is lifting you up in those circumstances. And this lifting up will only occur if you humble yourself and receive the instruction that he desires to give you in the midst of those circumstances. Otherwise, you're going to hobble around with a a bum hip. And that's no fun. That's no fun. So when God reduces us beyond our abilities and resources and strength... And we lean on him. Then and only then will the explanation of your life will be God and not you. Just like my friend and his funeral. A lot of nice things were said about my friend. He was a good man, a godly man. But they all attributed all of those nice things of my friend to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good testimony. That's a good testimony. That's what we need to aspire to. Uh, okay, I'm going to shoot for one more. I have the, I have the Brian syndrome. <laughs> um, okay, returning back to Deuteronomy now no, don't don't tell him that whatever you do <laughs> you know what Jeff said no, Don't say Deuteronomy 8 2 he'll probably listen to this mm-hmm. and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knewest not neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee know what man that man doth not live by bread only, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. So, that, so that's, the, that's the next thing. Live by what? God's word. Now what he said about man not living by bread, but by, God, by the, uh, the word of God alone. Can you remember somebody else that said that? Yeah, he sure did, didn't he? Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 4 when he was being tempted by the devil in the wilderness for 40 uh, 40 nights and 40 days. And the tempter came to him and he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So if God is indeed Lord, and if God's hand is in all things that occur, then there must be a reason why God allows these things to happen. And the primary thing that the infinite God allows for us to happen is to learn to live by His Word. That's where we get ourselves in trouble. When we, when those circumstances come along and we start leaning on our own understanding and, hey, I'm strong enough, I can handle this, and, hey, I don't need God, mm-mm. We need to to learn to live by God's word. We need to come to the place where we live by God's word. Take it in daily. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And even a snack in between. Right? We need to feed on the the word of God. Uh, We need to feed on it as though it is the very staple of our life. And it's only then when we get good nourishment that we will experience the benefit of that nourishment. Does that makes sense. I mean, it's true. In the, it's true in our physical life. When we eat right, we feel better, right? When we start snarfing down all that junk food, which is good tasting, but is it really good for us? No. No, we need that. We need that nutritional food. We need that nutritional food. Jeremiah fifteen sixteen thy words were found and I did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for I am called by thy name O Lord God of hosts you know when we pray Lord give us this day our daily bread we're not only praying for our physical bread but we are praying for our spiritual bread praying for our spiritual bread give us this day that bread that sustains me that nourishes me spiritually spiritually Isaiah, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah. I got Isaiah on the brain for some reason. Psalms 86:11 through 12. Teach me Thy way, O Lord. I will walk in Thy truth. Unite my heart to fear Thy name. That's the problem. We've got a divided heart. We need a united heart. He goes on. I will praise Thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify Thy name forevermore. What is your approach to God's word? You treat it like a textbook you treat it just to fill your head with data do you do, you, do you do it because it's your duty because the pastor told me I got to read it every day is that how you approach God's word or, or, or do you do it like when I used to work for a living do you grab it like a, a quick cup of coffee and a donut and you shove it down your face you don't give it the time you don't give it the time how do you approach God's word what is your approach to God's word? What is your a- Attitude is everything, folks. Heart attitude is everything. What is your heart attitude when you approach God's word? Proverbs 15.22 uh, says, Without counsel purposes are disappointed, but in the multitude of counselors there are established. You've got 66 counselors right here. Right, sixty-six books in the Bible. Yeah, you got sixty-six counselors right here in the Bible. Right, sixty-six counselors. Now I know there's some good counselors, and I know there's not some good, not so good counselors. This is your best counselor. Okay, this is your best counselor. Proverbs twenty, verse five: Counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. What does that tell me? Well, that tells me if it's if it's if it's deep water, that tells me that I'm going to have to take some time with this book to get down deep where that good, clean, clear water is. You guys ever ever drank from a good well? And that water, I used to visit an aunt of mine on, on a farm. And her source of water was a, was a hand pump out in the yard. And she'd always tell me, Jeffrey, go out and get a bucket of water. So she had this steel bucket. She always had it clean, and this is what we got of water. She'd always tell me, she says, when, when you pump that pump, you let it go two or three or four times, and then you put the bucket under there. And at, the, at first I could never understand why. Well, one day I went ahead and I just filled the bucket with two or three, uh, the first few pumps. Ugh! Yucky! Terrible! So I emptied it out, rinsed it, filled it up after the third or fourth or fifth And boy, I tell you what, what a difference! What a difference! It's the same thing with God's Word, man. If you just rush through this thing, don't expect much. You have to take the time you got to pump on the handle a little bit to get that good, clean, pure water. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel thou shalt make thy war, and in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Multitude of counselors. Like I said, there's 66 counselors here. 66 counselors. You know, there's some folks that make poor counselors. And it may not be their fault. Uh, some folks are just poor counselors. Um, I'm not a good counselor. I admit that. I'm not a good counselor. Uh, that's not my strength. That's not my gift. Uh, but there are folks who are good counselors. There are folks that you can go to uh, that uh, they do. They get good, solid counsel. They get good, sound. When you find somebody like that, uh, hang on to that person. That's, that's, what, that's the way my friend was he was a good counselor he was a good counselor and there are some folks that are like Job's counselors <laughs> they say the right thing but it's the wrong application they say the right thing but it's the wrong application but, uh, and I say that because uh, let me tell you something else about counseling <clears throat> sometimes it's not the counselor that's the problem Sometimes it's the counselee. Sometimes it's the person receiving the counsel. Now it could be that that poor counselor may be giving them good counsel, but the counselee, the person receiving the counsel, doesn't want to hear it. They don't want to hear it. They don't want to do it. They don't want anything, they don't want anything to do with it. Well, then whose fault is that? But you know who gets blamed? The poor counselor. That's who gets blamed. It's the poor counselor. When it's the E, that's the problem. It's the counselee that's the problem. Proverbs 19.21 says, There are many devices in a man's heart, nevertheless the counsel of the Lord, that shall stand. That's why this is your best counselor. This is where you're going to get the good, clean, cool, pure water. Right here. Right here. Uh, Psalms 11924, he says thy testimonies also are on my delight my counselors hard attitude your whole approach to God's word is it a burden is it a duty uh, is it boring or do you really want to hear from God you really want to hear from God if you really want to hear from God you will hear from God you will hear from God ok I'm going to have to stop there so the Lord may allow situations and circumstances in our life in order for us to see our heart. He may have to reduce us to weakness so we learn to depend on him. And it's also for certain that he's trying to teach us to live by his word. And we'll continue on when we come back next week. Any comments or questions before we break up? I appreciate everybody showing up. Uh, personally, I I like this. We're all right here, <laughs> you know. But hey, maybe in time. Maybe in time. So if there's nothing at all, nothing. Okay, can I call on you to close this out in prayer? Would you be comfortable with that? All right, close this out in prayer then. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time to meet together here and, uh, and get a message from your word and your we thank you for all your blessings. We thank you for uh, all your promises, Lord Heavenly Father. Please forgive us mercy in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 amen.